you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And we made it through the first Sunday of the season. One down, just 15 to go for fantasy purposes. We're not counting week 17 because friends don't let friends play in week 17. So we got plenty of things to talk about. Of course, there's still two more games on the docket before week one wraps up. We will preview those as well. So plenty to talk about. It's overreaction theater because that's the fun part of week one in fantasy football. We'll bring in our co-host Kimmy Checks in just a little bit. But first, let's talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. And look, Murph, the Eagles lost, the Cowboys lost, the football team gets a win to start the season. Are you feeling okay about the Giants in week one right now? It's literally the best possible Sunday you could have. Um, you know, there's no pressure. Giants lose. They get blown out on national TV to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're 0-1-1 great. Tie with the Cowboys, tie with the Eagles. Uh, I'm not too worried about the football team. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good. If they win, great. If they lose, we're pretty much at square one. Yeah, no, I think it, it was maybe the best possible start for them. Uh, the, I know the first three to four weeks of the schedule are not very forgiving. But, I mean, guys, Eddie, if you get through this, I would say, two and two in the first month, you got to be feeling really good about the outlook for this team. Totally. Um, I'm in the mindset of I want to see just positive steps with this team. It's a very young squad. I have zero expectations for this defense. So really what it comes down to is Danny Dimes, Saquon, the three receivers, Evan Ingram, and the improved O-line. Show me something with that with that Garrett offense, and I'll be a, a happy camper. Well, there you go. It is the early game of the Monday night doubleheader we have tonight, the Steelers and the Giants. The late game will be the Titans and the Broncos. We will get into both of those a little bit later on in the show. But it is a Monday, which means we are uh, graced, I should say, by the presence of the one and only Kimmy Checks. Welcome back to another Monday show. Kimmy, great to see you. I mean, you you got your, your good vibes out of the way early. The Chiefs started with a big win on Thursday night, so Sunday was just sort of a I would imagine a cruise day for you football-wise, right? Sunday, it was. You know, I'm still on a high from the Chiefs' victory on Thursday, which of course I am. But my second favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, they blew through Tom Brady and that Buccaneer offense. Uh, so I'm excited. I feel good. But I, I woke up this morning with like a football hangover. After not having football for all this time, especially no preseason games, you know, we didn't get an opportunity to go in person to any training camps. So I went to sleep like so incredibly exhausted. And I woke up this morning. I was like, I have not seen that much action in so long. I was like... I feel good. I'm energized. I'm ready to go. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm well, excited get, for the two games tonight. Yeah, you get a little hair of the dog this evening. So to kind of help step you down into uh, the rest of the week. And then we'll be right back at it again coming up on Thursday. Uh, let's get into some fantasy headlines, though. Some of the big stories that we saw in week one. The first one, Josh Jacobs just absolutely ran over the Carolina Panthers. 139 total yards. 
Four catches, which is kind of the big thing for me. He caught the football quite a bit. Three touchdowns, 35, almost 36 fantasy points for Josh Jacobs. And, Kimmy, I know a lot of us were excited about his, his, what his potential could be this year. Uh, we thought he had the chance to be easily a top 10 running back. But with what we saw on Sunday, is it possible we underestimated Josh Jacobs this year? Well, I want to I want to talk to the people who underestimated because it's kind of like, what are you doing? I think in a lot of leagues uh, <laughs> that you and I play in, I saw him go in the late first round, early second round. You know, the expectations were really high th this season because of how well he performed last season. But, you know, I want to I want to talk about something that you mentioned earlier, which was his catches. Right. So regardless of him running the ball through the Panthers defense, he was also involved in the passing game and was second on the team and receptions while forcing mixed tackles on two of those receptions. So on top of that, he ran 18 routes while the next highest player on the team only had three. So it just goes to show that, you know, those of us that grabbed Jacobs early uh, in the second round and late in the first round, we were really smart about that. So I have huge, huge, huge expectations. I think he's going to be the leader and not only rushing, but potentially receptions uh, for the Raiders, which is incredibly exciting. I mean, look, he had four catches yesterday. He had 20 all of last year. So he got 20% of his season total catches in just one game. Uh, it is sort of a reminder. We look at him. We look at Chris Carson, who had a bunch of catches. Jonathan Taylor, who we'll talk about a little bit later as well. And it's just a reminder that just because you've never seen a guy do a certain thing in his career doesn't mean that he can't do it. So hopefully this is the start of good things for Josh Jacobs in that Raider offense throughout 2020. All right, the Packers. Their passing game just absolutely smashed in their season opener against the Minnesota Vikings. Look at the Devontae Adams thing, maybe not a surprise, 14 catches there. But Aaron Rodgers, the huge day for AR-12 there for the Packers, 364 passing yards, four touchdowns. He had just over 30 fantasy points there. Uh, look, I, I admit, I sort of talked down on Rodgers. I said, I don't know if he can be you know, a top 10, top 12 fantasy quarterback this year. Maybe he's fading. I will offer a week one apology to Aaron Rodgers. As for you, how are you feeling about him right now? You know, I also actually owe him an apology because I was uh, under the same mindset that you were, that, you know, maybe this wasn't the Aaron Rodgers that we were used to and who we were going to see this season. But he literally said, hold my beer, Jordan Love. Hold my beer, Green Bay Packers. I'm going to go out and have an MVP-worthy performance. Now, you already said he had 364 yards, four passing touchdowns. This was his 24th career game with at least four passing touchdowns, which now he has surpassed Brett Favre, the guy who he took over for at quarterback. So I think this is a new and improved Aaron Rodgers. He's always been MVP-like, but I think the Jordan Love competition has really stepped up his game, and all of us fantasy owners should be uh, kind of shutting our mouths if we ever had any type of doubt. So I, like you, I need to like pin him an open letter. Say, hi, I'm Kimmy yeah. Tex, and I apologize to you, Aaron Rodgers. Please forgive me. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he looked like the Aaron Rodgers of old yesterday. He had a couple of great throws, one a long touchdown to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which he just kind of threw off his back foot and dropped in the bucket. He looked fantastic. As for Devontae Adams, yeah, I was one of the people, and I was not alone, who said that he really has a chance to finish as the wide receiver one this season. And it started with a, a huge performance, 14 catches, 156 yards, Two touchdowns, 41.6 fantasy points for Devontae Adams. I made him my wide receiver one off the board. I grabbed him in as many different spots as I could. And look, it was it was everything we wanted it to be to start the season. I know, Kimmy, you were, as you mentioned, a Saints fan. I know Michael Thomas is near and dear to your heart. 
But, I mean, you have to be impressed with what you saw from Devontae Adams on Sunday. Oh, I, I mean, he was absolutely incredible. And, you know, our friend Adam Rank, he kind of talked some smack on Devontae Adams, and maybe that's just <laughs> because he's a Chicago Bears fan. But I think what we saw yesterday just goes to show that the offseason has been really good for the Packers. I feel like maybe there is a new, renewed kind of fire in that offense because of them losing in the playoffs last season. So this is an incredibly exciting time. You are very, very, very lucky if you got Devontae Adams on your fantasy mm-hmm. roster. And it just goes to show that there is flashes of opportunity. And now he has an upcoming season with a quarterback who could have MVP-like numbers to completely shine and take over. Yeah, man. If if Aaron Rodgers is going on a revenge tour this year and Devontae Adams is his number one target, uh, that could get... Could be great for fantasy managers, could be ugly for a lot of opponents across the NFL. Speaking of passing games, there's one out in the desert that got going. I guess they got going in the Bay Area, if we want to be technical about it. But they got off to a great start on week one. It was the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Nuke Hopkins. And Kyler Murray, I know on Sunday, Kimmy, you were big on Kyler Murray. You thought he was going to have a, a really great start to the season, and he absolutely did. 230 passing yards. I know that doesn't necessarily blow anybody away. Had a touchdown, had an interception, but 100 rushing yards. In a week where we didn't have a lot of 100-yard rushers, Kyler Murray was the guy that got that one done. 27 fantasy points. I mean, you said it, Kimmy. You were big on Kyler Murray. And so, look, take, take a week one victory lap because you, were, you got this one nailed on the head. I, I, you guys can't see because there's B-roll right now, but I'm patting myself on the back because I knew it. And anyone who talked any smack about Kyler Murray, you need to write that open apology letter to me. Uh, but obviously, you know, his rushing was incredibly impressive. I think the only other player that rushed for over 100 yards at the running back uh, position was Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And then you see a quarterback go out and do this. I think any team that has to go up against Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals should be frightened because if you have that good of a quarterback who's that agile in the pocket and can escape the pocket and also rush while also throwing to DeAndre Hopkins, his new number one wide receiver target, it's something that is incredible. Uh, So Murray not only got to rush, but he connected with Hopkins for more targets, receptions, and receiving yards in week one than he did with any player in the 2019 season. So that is Scary, scary, scary good. If I was anyone in their division, I would be terrified. Yeah, you know, I said uh, a couple of weeks ago that in order for Kyler Murray to pay off on the ADP he had late in draft season, he had to go out and have a phenomenal year. And through one week, he's having a phenomenal year. I know it is a small sample size, so do not at me. But uh, (laughs) hey, it's about as good a start as you could imagine for Kyler Murray. On the flip side, you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. And one of the fears about him going from Houston to Arizona is that he wasn't going to see the same sort of target volume with the Cardinals that he did with the Texans. Look, the the Cardinals are deep at wide receiver, right? We still didn't see much of Larry Fitzgerald. Christian Kirk was sort of invisible for most of the day. We know Andy Isabella's there. Kenyon Drake's going to get targets. I can just keep going with this one. But somehow, Nuke still had 14 catches for 151 yards, very nearly missed out on a touchdown as well. So, why? What, what were we thinking? Why did we ever doubt him, Kimmy? I don't know. I don't know who the doubters were, but like, are you guys okay? I'm sure you woke up this morning and you were so <laughs> incredibly embarrassed for yourself. Uh, you know who's also probably really embarrassed is Bill O'Brien, right? If you look at what happened and, and how much 
uh, Deshaun Watson struggled on Thursday on that offensive side of the ball against the Kansas City Chiefs. He needed DeAndre Hopkins, but Bill O'Brien kind of ruined that for all of us. Other than Anquan Bolden, DeAndre Hopkins is the only other player in NFL history that has had at least 10 receptions and 150 receiving yards in their first game with a brand new team. So this is so incredibly exciting. These two weapons together, I know in fantasy we always talk about stacks, right? Stacking a quarterback with a receiver. This is one of the most dynamic and deadly stacks in fantasy football right now man you want to talk about winning the breakup right i mean you know the, the texans went out and they fed david johnson the ball and, and he looked good you know they ended up you know getting a, a very disappointing loss on thursday then on sunday deandre hopkins you talk about i mean he shows up uh with having lost some weight got muscular had brand new clothes a big fancy car uh and just and just completely won the breakup with the houston texans in week one so we'll see if this keeps going, but certainly it was a very encouraging sign to anybody who uh, might have thought that, that maybe Nuke wasn't going to be quite the same guy out there in the desert. I, I uh, wish, I wish that yeah. before we, before I just, I want to say one thing, and this is at all of my exes. I wish I won breakups as well as DeAndre Hopkins did. Like if you go and look at that performance, I, if I was him, I would be subtweeting the Houston Texans and Bill O'Brien all day long because it's like, what were they thinking? Uh, this is this is a really exciting year for him. And again, if anyone has better breakup tips, there's no none other than DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> Look, ne next time Bill O'Brien sees DeAndre Hopkins from a distance in a mall, he's gonna like duck into Forever Twenty One and just pretend <laughs> to be looking at shirts or something like that. Um, <laughs> he's like, I don't even know what I'm doing in this store. I'm just trying to hide from this guy. He's gonna, he's gonna walk. He's gonna walk into a hot topic, and they're gonna be like, Are you lost? Like, are you okay? And he's just right. so embarrassed. He just wants he wants no part of seeing DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> pulling the hat down over his eyes and everything. Um, the rookie running backs stepped up in a big way. I mean, we talked last week about Clyde Edwards-Alaire and what he did for the Kansas City Chiefs, but you go down the list, and there were a lot of really solid performances. Jonathan Taylor caught the ball very well for Indianapolis. J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Josh Kelly, Zach Moss, they all scored touchdowns. James Robinson got a whole lot of work there in Jacksonville. So how optimistic should we be now about this rookie running back class? The young are here to lead. And I, I swear, I was so incredibly hyped on all the rookies this offseason. And I got a lot of hate on social media, right? On, you know, I took Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round. People are like, oh, that's dumb. Why did you do that? Uh. It's like, okay, well, let's look at Thursday's <laughs> game. And then you tell me why I did that. But it just goes to show that the young are here to lead. And I think a lot of time, fantasy football enthusiasts, we kind of hate on the rookies, right? We only really want to pick them up in dynasty leagues. And there's a lot of chat of, are they going to be good? You know, do they, do they have the ability to play at an NFL speed? This Sunday and even on Thursday, and I'm sure even tonight, the rookies are incredible. And though we didn't get to see them perform in preseason games, a lot of the coaches understand their ability and they want to get them into the play action and play calling. Uh, so I'm incredibly excited. I think rookie running backs are something to covet. And those of us who were smart and not haters this offseason, uh, we were we were we lucked out by getting them on our fantasy rosters. I know that we were sort of concerned about how these guys would start based on the weird offseason, not having, you know, an extended training camp and not having preseason games. But you know, so far, the returns are great. I did say that if, if one group was going to have a shorter learning curve, it's the running backs, right? If you're a wide receiver, you're still learning multiple routes and coverages, and, and it's, it's slightly more complex. Uh, I know that I'm simplifying when I say that for running backs, it's, you know, grab the ball, hit the hole and run. I know there is more to it than that, but 
there is a shorter learning curve. I think there's less to pick up. And so I think for the running backs, uh, it, it maybe shouldn't be a surprise that they get into gear a little bit earlier. I think for me, what's really encouraging was the number of guys who made immediate performances, right? I thought, you know, CEH we thought was going to, to, to pop pretty early. Uh, we certainly thought Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift had an opportunity, but to see the Kellys and the Mosses and you know, James Robinson literally came out of nowhere as an undrafted free agent to see him get so much opportunity. That gives me reason to be excited. So I'm with you, Kimmy. Like if, if you took a shot at a rookie running back, then you're feeling a little bit better uh, on Monday morning than you probably were on Saturday night. So, Hey, let's, let's roll with it. Right. Sounds good. There you go. This is today's show, by the way. I'll get to it. It's sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Obviously, what you see from players in week one of the season is what they're going to be all year long. I mean, that's just science, at least that's sort of the way people talk after you get one game into the fantasy season, which means it's time for overreaction theater, which is one of my favorite parts of the first week of the fantasy season. So I went and picked out a handful of guys that were surprising either in a good or maybe a bad way in week one. And we'll talk about whether or not it's time to push all your chips in on these guys, or maybe it's time to just walk away from the table and say that you're completely done. Or which is probably really the case. It's probably somewhere in between. But who wants measured, reasonable analysis after week one? We just had football. It's time to be over the moon about everything. So we'll start down in Carolina. Robbie Anderson with the Carolina Panthers, who look, I wasn't sure if he was going to be a fit in this offense with Teddy Bridgewater, but had a big day, including a long touchdown catch from Teddy Two Gloves. So now that we've seen Robbie Anderson have one huge day down there with the Panthers, Kimmy, are you all in on Robbie Anderson? Is it time to completely just buy in there or not? You know, I'm all in on the fact that everyone just needs to get away from Adam Gase. Because again, this just goes to show <laughs> that if you're an offensive player who is on an Adam Gase team, you're not great. The second you leave, it's like it's magic and all of the good things happen to you. However, with Robbie Anderson, I actually am kind of buying in on this, right? He had 115 receiving yards. A bulk of that came from a 75-yard touchdown thrown by none other than Teddy Bridgewater, leading the team to show that he is going to be the wideout to covet over a guy like Curtis Samuel. So I'm actually really excited by what I saw yesterday. I do think that now there is some more buy-in on Robbie Anderson. Again, it's only week one. It's a very small sample size, so I'm not going to go over the moon and really reach to get him uh, and make any crazy trades. But I think this is a promising start. I do agree with you. And like I said, I wasn't sure how he would fit into the offense. And I wasn't sure if he and Teddy Bridgewater would be a good fit because Teddy's not known as a guy who pushes the ball downfield. But we saw that on Sunday. And maybe it has something to do with Anderson's familiarity with Matt Rule and vice versa. They were together when Anderson was in college. So maybe there is something there. I was thinking that maybe Anderson would be the field stretcher to open things up for guys like DJ Moore and maybe give Curtis Samuel a little breath of fresh air. But Look, if this is going to be reality for Anderson, then maybe it is time to get a little bit more excited. Let's also keep in mind, though, the Raiders secondary does have some issues. So we'll kind of give it another week or so. But I will say that the early returns were certainly encouraging about Robbie Anderson. All right. Now, Iowa has become tight end you. I know that you know that, Kimmy. Uh, we've, are, you know, we've seen George Kittle, right, explode. We, we, we are hopeful that Noah Fant takes a big step forward this year. 
Another Iowa Hawkeye, though, doing big things, TJ Hawkinson. And if there's ever a week to start TJ Hawkinson in fantasy football, it seems like it's week one. Had a huge week one last year, had a good week one this year. So I'm going to ask you to, to answer this with your head and not necessarily your heart. Are we buying in big time on TJ Hawkinson now? No, and I, I feel guilty for saying this, but <laughs> think back to last season. He had an incredible week one, and everyone was like, holy cow, now we understand why the Lions went out to get a tight end in the round one of the 20, what was that, 2018 draft, right? He was explosive, he was great, and then he completely fell off the radar and went radio silent. Now, I understand he was dealing with a concussion and some other injuries on the season, uh, but, but he kind of disappeared after that. I do think it's positive that Matt Stafford is healthy, because clearly it seems as if when Matt Stafford Stafford is under center. He wants to connect with TJ Hawkinson, but I am not hyping this hype train quite yet. I'm going to wait and ease into a few more weeks into the season before I place my bets. Yeah, I think one of the things with Hawkinson that certainly helped on Sunday was no Kenny Galladay in the lineup for the Lions. You got to figure when Galladay is there, he and Marvin Jones are going to absorb a ton of targets in that passing game. I think you will have occasional weeks when you see Hawkinson pop, and hopefully he can stay healthy for the majority of the season this year. But I think on a week-to-week -week basis, it's going to be hard to count on him just because I'm not sure how many targets are going to be there to go around. So I would say that, yeah, look, it was nice. It was great if you started him and you took advantage of it. Congratulations. But I do think that for most of the season, you might be playing the matchups. When there's a good tight end matchup, then you think about starting Hawkinson. Other than that, you may want to find somebody else who's on your bench that you want to play on a weekly basis. So let's stay in Detroit, though, as we go to the guys that maybe we're completely cashing out on now because Carrion Johnson was a guy that we weren't 100% sure on. DeAndre Swift got drafted, and we knew that he was certainly going to fight to get a lot of those opportunities. And then right before the season started, the Lions went and picked up Adrian Peterson after he was released. And it was Peterson who got a lot of work on Sunday in that Lions backfield. Carrion's still a young player. You think there's still time for him to turn his career around, but is it time to maybe sort of wash our hands and walk away from the Carrion Johnson situation in Detroit? You know, I was incredibly disappointed by that performance. I think though some of us already had apprehensions of him going into the season, there were still a lot of people who were kind of on that hype train. And we thought, you know, he is going to be the number one back in that offense. But then Adrian Peterson, very much like Aaron Rodgers, said, hold on, hold my beer. Let me flex my vet muscles. And then DeAndre Swift also said, no, no, no. Let me go in and show you why they went and got me in this year's draft. I'm a rookie, but I'm going to go ahead and perform. Now, I think Kerryon Johnson was kind of the middleman in that, and he got lost. So for me, I'm kind of cashing out. I, I, it's not someone that I kind of want to take a risk on. I think we saw so many positive flashes from DeAndre Swift. And it, when you're playing with Adrian Peterson, you want to get him the ball, right? He's Adrian Peterson for a reason. So I'm kind of out. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one too. And I will admit that I got my heart broken last year by carry on. I was big on him and, and it didn't work out. And it wasn't completely his fault. He dealt with some injury issues last year. But now with the added competition of DeAndre Swift there, you know, I don't know how how long Adrian Peterson is going to be a big-time player in this offense, but it is still one more person that they've got to get the football to. We know they're wide receivers. We just talked about TJ Hawkinson. I don't think this offense is good enough to support all these guys. It's not like Kansas City, right, where you've got a great quarterback and you've got a great offensive mind as the head coach, and you can feel like there are a lot of options that can be sustained over the course of the year. I don't feel that way with the Lions offense, and so – I think that in a year where you may be looking for a lot of running backs off the waiver wire, uh, I, I think Carrion Johnson is one that, look, 
maybe you stash him on your bench and hope for something to get better, but I don't know how often you're going to play him because I just don't know that the offense is going to be good consistently enough for, for it to make, to make an impact. All right, last one. We talked about DeAndre Hopkins and his big day down there in his debut with the Arizona Cardinals. The guy that we've been waiting for to take over as their number one receiver, Christian Kirk, was nearly invisible. One catch, zero yards. That was the day for Christian Kirk. He's another one that, as I said, we've sort of been waiting for him to pop. Is it time to maybe just kind of pull the plug on the Christian Kirk experiment in fantasy football? See, this is hard for me because I actually have a few shares of Kristen Kirk and my own fantasy rosters, and I was mortified to look down and see one fantasy point. And then on, on the same roster where I had Christian Kirk, I had the Saints defense who got 17 fantasy points. And I was like, what is, what is going on? What kind of craziness <laughs> is this? But ahead of the season, Kyler Murray said that Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, and DeAndre Hopkins have an opportunity to have 1,000-plus receiving yard seasons, but we just didn't see it. Maybe, you know, the game on Sunday was a revenge game, for DeAndre Hopkins and he just wanted to flex his muscles to really show that Bill O'Brien messed up and Kyler Murray was in on that but at the same time you know they didn't really show a lot of promise for Christian Kirk so I don't want to completely cash out uh, and, and put him on my bench and, and wait and see I don't know it was it was just kind of disappointing but I really do hope that he has some opportunities I think if there's any quarterback who can get multiple receivers with a thousand plus receiving yards it is Kyler Murray but again it was a really disappointing performance one fantasy point like what's going on there yeah, that, that's really frustrating. You know, I, I think there will be games where Kirk gets more opportunities, and maybe this was the Cardinals trying to help Nuke win the breakup, and we're just going to force-feed you targets, and we're really going to make a statement with you. I do think there will be times when Kyler Murray spreads the ball around, but with Nuke there, I think the opportunity for Christian Kirk to step up and be that number one type receiver is probably gone for now. So I, I'm not advocating that you just cut bait on Christian Kirk just yet. But it's going to be hard to sort of count on him. He's a flex option, I think, at best in a lot of leagues. And there will be some weeks where you get your heart broken if you have him in your lineup. By the way, the last time an NFL team had three wide receivers with 1,000 yards apiece, it was the Arizona Cardinals in 2008. Anquan Bolden, Larry Fitzgerald, who's still there and might be able to do it again, <laughs> and Steve Breston, which is probably the name that most people don't remember, uh, but Steve Breston was the third guy to have a 1,000 yards in one season with the Arizona Cardinals. So there you go. Overreaction Theater will continue. I'm sure we'll get into next week, and we will swing the other way. All the guys who had bad games who then blow up, we're going to be like, hey, they're great. All the guys who had great games in week one who fail in week two, we're going to be like, hey, maybe it's time to, to cut them and let them go. So Overreaction Theater never quite ends until we get to maybe the first month or so in the season. That's why this is fun. You know what else is fun? What's fun is Performance Ready, presented by Castrol Edge. And that brings us to Checks Marks the Spots, our weekly spotlight for Kimmy Checks, where she will run down some of the things that caught her eye over the weekend. And so for you, what were the most impressive performances you saw in week one this year? This week? You know Right, right off the bat, it's none other than Cam Newton. Not only was his bright yellow suit outfit impressive, but so was his performance, right? Every single Cam Newton doubter of, is he a good teammate? Is he a good quarterback? Can he come back and be the MVP type Cam Newton that we know and love? 
he showed up and he did it. And he said, you know, watch, watch me ball. Watch me do that. He had two rushing touchdowns leading the Patriots in both carries and rushing yards on top of finding the end zone twice. So now mix in play action passing game that allows him to throw crossers and attack open windows. And defenses are going to be scratching their heads for weeks to come to try to understand how they can get that Patriots offense under control. Now, he also obliterated the Patriots single game record for rushing fantasy points scored by a quarterback and shattering the QB record for rushing in a single game. So I think Cam Newton being with Bill Belichick is going to mean explosive things and explosive numbers. If you had Cam Newton sitting on your bench, you know, there weren't a lot of quarterbacks who outscored him. So unless you've got a Kyler Murray or one of the other ones, you, you're probably a little bit disappointed. It goes to show that Cam Newton needs to be starting in fantasy football. He's back, and this could be an MVP year for him. I have a roster where I have Patrick Mahomes and Cam Newton. And so uh, if you are in that league with me, <laughs> trade offers are welcome. Like I, I'm going to make some deals uh, if you are in need of a quarterback. By the way, Cam Newton, 60 career rushing touchdowns. That's more rushing touchdowns than Hall of Famer and our NFL media colleague Terrell Davis. So uh, that just goes to show how effective Cam Newton has been running the football over his career. All right, next up. This is a guy that I thought could be this year's Chris Godwin, and he got off to a really great start. Even though his team lost, statistically, it was a good start for Calvin Ridley. Right. Statistically, this is where Ridley shined. And now he's going to, you know, kind of inch into the conversation of being one of the top wide receivers in the league. You know, a lot of times we talk about Michael Thomas, but if you stay in that division and look at Calvin Ridley, he is balling and he flexed those muscles yesterday. Nine receptions, 130 yards, two touchdowns. He accounted for all of the Falcons receiving touchdowns. You know, Ridley yet again is operating in what looks to be a pass heavy offense. So I think the opportunities are there. This was an incredible first week performance. If you were lucky enough to have him on your roster hopefully he could be a league winner for you this season so good things to come i'm excited for him and i was happy that he uh got off to such a good start yeah absolutely i was excited for him and it ended up being a very good day for him by the way uh julio jones went out and just did julio jones things nine catches 157 yards he actually was the high receiving yard player of the day but because he didn't score a touchdown it was just nine for 157 it's like Ho-hum, it's just Julio being Julio. <laughs> you know, it, it's so funny how we, I think we just take him for granted because he is so consistently good week after week that we just don't even think anything about it. All right, speaking of wide receivers, there was a guy there in Minnesota that people had questions about. They weren't sure whether or not Adam Thielen could get back to the guy we saw a couple of seasons ago. But uh, Kimmy, after one week, he looked like the same Adam Thielen we became to know and love over the last few years. He did. Adam Thielen is back. He's ready, and he's going to be that guy for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, if people did not forget, Stefan Diggs is no longer with the Minnesota Vikings, right? He's with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. That means all of the opportunity is there for Adam Thielen. He had six receptions, 110 yards, two tutties on the Sunday. And this was against the Packers, who are notoriously really tough against wide receivers. So I think, again, this is positive flashes of opportunity. It shows that in a pass-heavy offense, Adam Thielen is that guy. And he kind of hushed all of the haters. So I'm excited. I got a share of him uh, in a few of my leagues. So I kind of flexed my muscles yesterday, just like he did uh, last night. Yeah, I mean, look, he had eight targets. You mentioned 110 couple of touchdowns there. And a lot of those sort of came late, but look, Garbage points still count. The Vikings fell behind. They had to throw the football to stay in that game. I say this as somebody who had to start Kirk Cousins in a league this week. It sort of, it sort of helped out because 
they were playing from behind. But until those other receivers, whether it's B.C. Johnson, whether it's the rookie Justin Jefferson, sort of get up to speed, Adam Thielen is going to see a large percentage of the targets in this offense. And so I, I don't know where the doubt came from, where the questions came from. Uh, he's healthy again, it looks like, and Kirk Cousins is going to have tunnel vision for his number one guy, at least until these other guys get to a point where he feels confident in being able to throw them the football on a consistent basis. Week one isn't officially over, but it's already time to look forward to week two and who you may want to pick up off the waiver wire. So we went through a few names that popped on Sunday that might be worth picking up when it comes to Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. We will start in Indianapolis. Naheem Hines was a guy that we talked about during the season as having the potential to have a 10-catch game. Certainly didn't think he would have the game he did in week one. Some of it was because of the way the game went. Some of it was because, unfortunately, Marlon Mack suffered an Achilles injury and the Colts fear that he may be lost for the season. Uh, but, Kimmy, now all of a sudden, Naheem Hines is a guy that you know, maybe was talked about in some kind of hipster circles. He's a name that I think a lot of people are going to need to know going forward because it looks like the workload is going to get a lot bigger for him. You know, I think this entire offseason we've talked about, is it Marlon Mack or is it Jonathan Taylor? And then Naheem Himes popped out and said, hi, I'm here. It's me. <laughs> he played 54% of the snaps, having us kind of scratch our heads over what do we do about this Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor situation? You know, the news just broke a few hours ago that Marlon Mack is now out for the rest of the season with an Achilles injury. So this just goes to show Naheem Himes should be the number one priority on the waiver wire this week. Jonathan Taylor also had flashes of opportunity. I do not want to discount that, but I think Naheem's time having a little bit more of that veteran experience proves all good things. Well, and, you know, as you mentioned, unfortunately, Marlon Mack lost for the season, which uh, is definitely disappointing, certainly for him. And a guy who looked like he was going to have some opportunity there in Indianapolis. This was always sort of set up to be a committee system. We thought it was going to be Taylor and Mack, as you mentioned. But Hines was always sort of the wild card because of his pass catching ability and because of the fact that few quarterbacks throw to their running backs as often as Phillip Rivers does. We saw that with Austin Eckler for those years with the Chargers, and now Hines could sort of occupy that role there for the Colts. I still like Jonathan Taylor. I still think he's going to get plenty of opportunity, but Naheem Hines is going to be a very popular name off the waiver wire in the weeks or so to come. Uh, a couple other names at running back you might want to pay attention to. Malcolm Brown, who got a lot of work there with the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday night. I mean, he looked very good. I still think Cam Akers steps in to, to get some opportunity, but Malcolm Brown certainly did a lot with what we saw there on Sunday night. Uh, hey, look, man, look, 79 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, you know, Kimmy, uh, if everybody was sort of trying to pick their favorite Rams running back, I will tell you that I sort of chose wrong with Daryl Henderson. Uh, but Malcolm Brown, uh, at least for the short term, he looks like he's the guy, huh? I love it. I, I think he does. And, you know, that was an incredible Rams game, right? It was the first game in SoFi Stadium in Hollywood Park here in Los Angeles. They went up against the Cowboys, and they looked good. I think Malcolm Brown had flashes, and you know who also had flashes of opportunity? It was Van Jefferson. So I do think that there are a few guys on that team that you could target on the waiver wire who could be potential, you know, incredible additions for your fantasy roster. Yeah, uh, other guy that will play in SoFi Stadium did not yesterday, but Joshua Kelly for the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, we talk about what Austin Eckler did with the Chargers while Phillip Rivers was there. Well, Melvin Gordon's out. Eckler moves up the pecking order one, and now Josh Kelly steps in behind him. He gets in the end zone yesterday, and I, I sort of joke that will Joshua Kelly do to Austin Eckler what Austin Eckler did to Melvin Gordon, but I think the more accurate description is that 
Joshua Kelly may step in more to that Melvin Gordon role. He may not get the same number of snaps that Gordon did, but he's going to be a guy that they use as sort of that hammer down near the goal line. We saw that yesterday. Eckler played still the vast majority of the snaps, didn't get a target or got one target, I should say, which is a little bit uh, frustrating. But Joshua Kelly stepped in in a big way and had a pretty quick start to his season. Another running back that surprised people, James Robinson, the undrafted free agent down there in Jacksonville. And Kimmy, certainly very few people knew his name, even in football circles. People didn't quite know James Robinson's name. I feel like now that we've hit Monday morning, a lot more people are starting to figure out who this guy is. You know, it's funny. I'm curious to go on Google and see James Robinson, Jacksonville Jaguars, his name Googled last week, as opposed to this Monday after last night's performance. He broke the record for undrafted rookie performances in week one, racking up 62 yards on 16 carries and adding one catch on one target for 28 yards. Now, none of those numbers are crazy, right? No one's running out to grab him and start him next week. Uh, but Chris Thompson only had two targets and Robinson was the only running back on that offense to even receive a carry on Sunday. So I think it's a good thing. And guess what? Last Sunday, or I guess oh, yesterday, holy cow, it's already it's already yesterday. He was only he was not owned in 99% of NFL.com leagues. He was available in 99% of all NFL.com leagues. So if you're hearing this, if you're seeing this, you should go run and try to swoop him up as fast as you can. Yeah, I suspect that number is going to change quite a bit in the next couple of days. But the, hey, kudos to you. You had him as a sleeper earlier in the week. So uh, yeah, take another take another quick victory lap. We'll uh, we'll wait it out while you come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so James Robinson there. There's some other names down there in Jacksonville that certainly opened some eyes. LaVisca Chenault, who was a guy that I loved coming out of Colorado, thought could be a jack of all trades. He did line up everywhere. He lined up wide. He lined up sort of in a tight end. He was in the backfield. They ran Wildcat with LaVisca Chenault. Uh, he has the opportunity really to to get some chances there in this offense. He started alongside DJ Chark in week one against the Colts. Keep in mind, this may not be a high-volume passing game, so there may not be a ton of targets for Chenault on a week-to-week -week basis, but because, as you see there, he's getting direct snaps. They're lining him up in different spots. They're going to try to use him in a Swiss as a Swiss Army knife the same way he was used at the University of Colorado Opportunity is the lifeblood of fantasy success, and LaVisca Chenault should get plenty of it down there in Jacksonville. And one last name for you, Jalen Rager, who I have become a part of the Jalen Rager hive, and apparently there are people on Twitter who don't like me using the term hive. I don't know. Um, <laughs> as, somebody, as somebody who's part of the beehive, though, I'm sure... I was, was going to say, I was going to say, I don't know if you want to ever reference anything hive-related unless you're part of the beehive and you're talking about how much you love Beyonce. That's like, it's, those are waters that you do not want to enter. Well, I'll say I will. Then I will say I am. I am a stand for Jalen Rager. I'm waving the flag. I, I don't know. I'm. I, I. I'm a Rager racer. I don't. I don't know. I'm going to come up with something. But either way, uh, I'm really starting to buy in. I know he didn't have a ton of looks on Sunday. Did have one catch, one big catch for 55 yards. But I think there's opportunity for him there. The reports out of Philadelphia about him during training camp were glowing, uh, and I do think that he's going to step up and produce, especially. If they continue to have injuries, Deshaun Jackson missed a, a portion of yesterday's game. Uh, we're not sure exactly, you know, what, what the long-term health is going to be for guys like Alshon Jeffrey and what have you in that, that offense there. So uh, I'm excited about what Jalen Rager can possibly do. So of all those guys we listed now, which one do you feel like should be everyone's top waiver priority this week? You know, the waiver priority, it's its still going to have to be Naheem Himes, right? If we talk about this Marlon Mack injury, he's out for the season. They're going to need help. We are both incredibly excited about all the opportunity that Jonathan Taylor is going to see. But if you had to prioritize the number one person, it's going to be Himes for me.
Yeah, no, I would completely agree with that. Uh, I do think Naheem Hines is the guy who slides in and gets a whole lot of work. I would say keep an eye on Joshua Kelly. I think what we saw out of him yesterday was very encouraging. After the game, uh, head coach Anthony Lynn said, look, we don't win that game if it's not for Joshua Kelly. And I think that means he's going to get some opportunities. The thing we know about the Chargers is there's a one and there's a two, and there's not a whole lot of muddling between there. So it looks like Kelly has won that number two job from Justin Jackson. So I do think he's going to get a lot of chances to score, and especially if he's getting work down near the goal line. Uh, is there anybody that we didn't mention that you feel like should be on this list that people should pay attention to this week? I mentioned him very briefly, but I'm actually looking at Van Jefferson with the Los Angeles Rams. He was the darling of training camp. Everything uh, that he did, everyone had such good things to talk about. Steve Weiss talked about his size and his depth and how he could do it. Coach Sean McVay said, you know, this is a guy who could be a leader. Now he caught a dime of a pass from Jared Goff, having his first NFL catch be a a hundred, excuse me, it wasn't a hundred, being a 31-yard beauty. So I'm excited. You know, I don't think he had a ton of play time, but I definitely think he could get in there and have more opportunities. Once your head coach and your quarterback like you, and they have good things to say about you as a rookie, it just goes to show that the floodgates may open as the season continues on. Yeah, he was a guy that I started to like more and more as we got closer to September. Uh, the reports of him kind of you know, getting after Jalen Ramsey in practice, that was certainly very exciting to see him have some success there. And as you mentioned, that catch last night was absolutely a beauty against the Dallas Cowboys. So I think he's going to be a guy that gets more and more opportunity as the season goes along. I think he's going to be one to, to sort of pay attention to. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you know, this week there are a lot of options out there on the waiver wire if you want to look really deep. Uh, I know Quintez Cephas was a name that in super deep leagues was getting a little bit of run. Adrian Peterson, I don't think has long-term value, but with what we saw and the opportunities he got on Sunday, just keep an eye out on him because at least in the short term, he could be a stopgap if you're waiting for somebody to come back and, and fill that spot. Didn't even mention Boston Scott, who uh, was banged up a little bit, had sort of a frustrating day. I know a lot of people went sort of big on Boston Scott. Uh, that didn't work out. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we will try for better next You, week, you sounded so apologetic. You really felt bad for those people. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you just got to own it, right? Like you, you, we, we made a call. It didn't work. Sorry. Let's, we'll, we'll try to be better the next week. But uh, get your waiver claims in because it's always important to try and boost those rosters to get ready for the very next week. We spent so much time on today's show talking about all the guys who had great week ones. We would be remiss. If we didn't talk about some of the guys who maybe let us down in week one, I've got three big name players who sort of left you wanting after the games were said and done. And so we'll figure out what to do next. Do you try to trade them? Do you hang on to them? Do you maybe put them back on the waiver wire and think that all is lost for 2020? Okay, maybe that is just more overreaction theater, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> so let's start in Baltimore. Mark Ingram, who I still think has a future there. J.K. Dobbins, though, certainly knocking on the door, had a couple of touchdowns. Mark Ingram, fewer than three fantasy points in week one. How are we feeling? What are we doing if we have Mark Ingram on our rosters, Kimmy? You know, this was someone that I think a lot of us were a little bit concerned about in the preseason. We didn't get to see any preseason games to see what splitting time would look like between Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. But J.K. Dobbins kind of went in there. And when we talk about the running back position, if I'm not mistaken, Mark Ingram is 31 years old, which is, you know, kind of nearing that ceiling for, for running backs. You know, if you think about that position, it is so incredibly physical and it's so incredibly tough. So I could see that this was a huge regression season for him. I like Mark 
Mark Ingram. I think he's incredible. He's an incredible football player. He's an incredible guy. I was so bummed when he left the Saints, but really think that he found an opportunity with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, but yesterday's show wasn't really positive. I think a lot more people are hopping on the J.K. Dobbins train and kind of putting Mark Ingram on the shelf. Yeah, I am definitely disappointed. I was one who really thought that Mark Ingram still was going to have an opportunity there. I'm not willing to quit yet. It has just been one week. And I went back and sort of looked at the game yesterday. The Ravens didn't run that many plays compared to the Browns. 59 plays for the Ravens compared to 74 for Cleveland. And their rushing attempts were effectively split between four guys. So there wasn't really anyone who got a whole lot of run. If there's an upside, Ingram did get more touches than J.K. Dobbins. The difference being Dobbins got a couple of carries inside the five-yard line. He turned that into two touchdowns, and that made all the difference in the world. The other part was that neither Ingram nor Dobbins got a target in the passing game. I'd like to think that's going to change a little bit, but this was not the start that I had envisioned for Mark Ingram. And so, yeah, there's a little bit of concern, no doubt about it, especially uh, when you use a late-round keeper on him in the league. I don't know who that is. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> like, hmm, um, hmm, not looking at myself. Hmm, I don't know. So Mark Ingram used to play in New Orleans. Drew Brees still plays in New Orleans, although this might be his last hurrah down there in the Big Easy. The marquee matchup of the week was Brady versus Brees down there in the Dome. And the Saints get a big win. But for Drew Brees, it was not a great fantasy performance. Uh, do we just chalk this up to, you know, maybe starting slow in the first game or... Is there something to be concerned about with Drew Brees this year? There is no Drew Brees slandered around on this show when I am here. You should know that <laughs> by now. You know, obviously Drew Brees didn't go up and have a 30-point fantasy game, but you also have to look at what those red zone targets looked like. Alvin Kamara had what was supposed to be three touchdowns. One got recalled, so he had two touchdowns, right? He didn't throw the ball a ton to Michael Thomas, which I think is that's where we see oh, the bulk of his fantasy points come from. I don't think this is a slow start. I just think they had a different type of, of, of game calling against that Buccaneers defense. I think Sean Payton is, a, is an incredible coach, and he's really crafty about how he calls his plays. And, you know, Drew Brees under center, he's always going to be an amazing quarterback. So let's not back off, off of him quite yet, right? 14 fantasy points by no means is that bad. It's not like he went out and threw multiple interceptions like his friend Tom Brady did on the other side of the ball. So let's just ease the talk on Drew Brees, take it down a notch, and wait to see what week two has in store. I love these subtle Tom Brady shade you just threw in there <laughs> while you were talking about Drew Brees. Uh, you know, my, my one concern with Brees this year is sort of what we saw from him maybe two or three years ago where in the past, the Saints needed him to go out and have big games in order to win. You know, a few years ago, they rebuilt that defense. They added Alvin Kamara. They had Mark Ingram. They had a solid running game. And they didn't necessarily need Drew Brees to go out and have 300 yards and three or four touchdowns to win. And my, my only concern is that they're sort of getting back to that this year where Brees still has that ability. If they need him to go out and throw the ball 40 times a game and put up big numbers to win, he can still certainly do that. But I just fear that, that Sean Payton won't ask him to do that, and that will impact his fantasy performance long term. The other part of it is yesterday, I think that Buccaneers defense actually isn't bad. I thought they were pretty good last year. They just had a quarterback that turned the ball over and put them in bad situations. And I think we saw some of that yesterday. Uh, Brady had the two interceptions. There was a, a, a poor play on a muffed kickoff that, that put the Bucs defense uh, back up against the wall again. So if that happens, then I think the Bucs defense is going to struggle. But I do think they are overall a talented 
uh, a very good unit. And so maybe that's some of what we saw with Drew Brees yesterday uh, that kind of slowed him down a little bit. Plus, yeah, the Michael Thomas thing, that was weird. Uh, it was, it was really, it was, it was really weird. And again, you know, it, we kind of talked about this with DeAndre Hopkins and, and Kyler Murray, maybe because Alvin just got paid and there was kind of some contention during those contract talks. And, you know, it was a question of is, is New Orleans going to keep Alvin Kamara, which would be wild if they, if they ever let him go. But maybe again, they just wanted to play into that. So that's why they fed Alvin Kamara all those red zone, you know, targets and carries. But yeah, it was really weird to not see Michael Thomas in that spot where he was catching red zone receptions and targets and scoring so I don't know maybe we'll see more ahead of week two but it was kind of it was kind of a head scratcher I was I was a little bit confused on that one yeah no doubt uh so speaking of wide receivers though Odell Beckham Jr coming into week one he was a, a guy that a lot of people had concerns about going against that Baltimore Raven defense I know there were a lot of people that were suggesting maybe you fade him or you at least temper your expectations it was not a good day by any stretch for Odell Beckham. Generally, it was not a good day for the Cleveland Browns offense. But you see there, 10 targets, three catches for just 10 yards for OBJ. And this is starting to become part of a worrisome trend, I think, Kimmy. So if you drafted OBJ, if you have him on your roster, how are you feeling right now? You know, I I was one of the lucky ones who did not draft Odell Buckham Jr. because he broke my heart last season. And I think there was, a, you know, a bevy of concern going into this season. But again, somehow during the offseason, the Browns always get hyped up, right? Now they have Kevin Stefanski as the head coach, and there were all these expectations. But it just, again, goes to show that the Browns may not be as good of a football team as we think. If I was Odell Beckham Jr., if I'm looking at only getting 10 targets during the game, I'm having quite a stern conversation with Baker Mayfield of understanding if I am supposed to be valued as your target and in your star receiver, you need to feed me the ball and get me in a position where I could succeed. So chances are people who have OBJ are sort of panicking a little bit. They're certainly very frustrated. Would this be the time to maybe try to trade for him knowing that his trade value might be as low as it can get? You know, I'm down to just get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. Again, maybe I'm just biased because he did hurt <laughs> me so badly last season. I took him in the first round, and he was not – I don't think he was a top 10 uh, wide receiver in fantasy football any week of last season. So I saw that and was like, there is no way I am taking those chances again. But I definitely think that, you know, if you're open to the trade market, this is where you look to kind of get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, because that offense does not look improved whatsoever. No, I think we were hoping for bigger, better things from Kevin Stefanski, but after one week, it uh, it was not good. I guess the upside for the Browns is that they don't have to play the Ravens every single week, although they, they will see them again <laughs> at some point later on in the year. But it, not a good start for Baker, not a good start for Nick Chubb, and not a good start for Odell Beckham Jr. As has become tradition in week one, we get a Monday night doubleheader to end the week. So a pair of games still on tap here on Monday night. We will start in the Meadowlands. The Steelers and the Giants. Big Ben making his return to the field against Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and the rest of Big Blue. That Steeler defense is very tough, and I think it sort of got overlooked that they were the number two fantasy defense last year because the Patriots were so good and they were so far and away better than everybody <laughs> else in fantasy that it just was like, hey, who's number two? We forgot about that. But uh, this is a very good defensive unit. So how do you feel about Saquon, what can Saquon Barkley do, you think, against this Steelers defense? 
You know, speaking of the Steelers defense, you said that they were the number two fantasy defense. They also allowed the second fewest scrimmage touchdowns to running backs in the 2019 season, which is where we need Saquon Barkley to show up and shine. We talked about Michael Thomas earlier of him being a top five pick and not getting much action and fantasy, you know, enthusiasts being a little upset. We do not need any of that smoke with Saquon Barkley. He's averaging a little under 19 fantasy points per season. He was a top five guy and a lot of leagues going as the second or the third pick in the first round. So I think this is going to be exciting. This is the very first time that we're going to see a Joe Judge offense being run along with Jason Garrett. So I think there's huge opportunity for Saquon as long as he is healthy. He should be good to go, but we should not discount the Steelers defense off the top. Yeah, what I love about Saquon is that the volume is going to be there. And for the most part, because he's multi-talented, he is not dependent upon game script. So regardless of how this game goes, if the Giants are ahead, if they're behind, Saquon's going to stay on the field. We know they can throw him the football. So there should be opportunities for him there. Yes, the matchup's not great, but just the chance to get the ball in his hands 20 to 25 times per game means that there's always a chance for him to put up some decent fantasy production. On the flip side, James Conner. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, everybody sort of, they're sort of tepid on him just because that injury risk is there. We know that that was sort of included in his fantasy draft price. How much do you trust him tonight against the Giants defense? You know, I actually do trust him, and I think he can see some low RB1, high RB2 opportunities because Ben Big, Big Ben, I can't even talk, Big Ben, <laughs> there we go, Big Ben is back and he's healthy, and when James Conner plays with Ben Roethlisberger, he sees just under 20 fantasy points per game in 2018, right? Those are really good numbers, and I could see the Steelers relying on him tonight and want to take it slow in Big Ben's return uh, to make sure that Conner can go and run the ball even more than usual, right? As, you know, Big Ben dealt with that shoulder injury. You want to rely on the run, and James Conner is going to be the guy to do that. So I actually do trust him tonight. I'm excited. You know, James Conner is a guy that I sort of looked at the same way I, I looked at Will Fuller in that, yes, you have to sort of throw in the injury risk because that's what the history has been. But when he has been there, he has been productive. And generally speaking, the Steelers want to just lean on one running back. So you don't have to worry about a couple of guys coming in and sort of muddying the waters. As long as James Conner is healthy and ready to go, he's going to get the bulk of the work in this backfield. I don't know that he's going to get Saquon Barkley levels of work, but he should get the ball quite a bit. And I've been saying, I think tonight begins the Steelers offensive revenge tour. Ben's going to be out to remind everybody how good this offense can be when everything is intact. When this battle station is fully operational, uh, we'll see how good they can be. And so I think James Conner, a guy who I think you're right. I think uh, certainly uh, if you don't have him in your flex, maybe you thought of him as an RB2, but I think there's potential for him to have a pretty good game tonight. All right, game two of our doubleheader. The Titans head to Denver to take on the Broncos. Derrick Henry was fantastic last year, was your rushing leader at the end of the season, a touchdown machine for Tennessee. But this is a pretty good Broncos run defense. Even without Von Miller being there, this defense should be pretty tough. How worried should we be about Derrick Henry tonight? You know, we, you just talked about Derrick Henry being the leader in touchdowns and rushings. He was amazing. But you know who he didn't get to do that against last season? It was the Denver Broncos. I can't even talk today. It was the Denver <laughs> Broncos. He had less than five fantasy points in week six when he saw them. That was his season low. He only rushed for 15 yards, right? So I think we need to be mindful of that. And Derrick Henry, you know, a conversation that we've had this whole offseason is, is he going to see regression from last season? I 
I absolutely think he may. I don't think we need to 100% be worried about him tonight. Obviously, you are starting him if you have him, and if you don't, you need to get your head checked. Uh, but I do think that there could be an opportunity for him to not do as hot as we were expecting. Yeah, I do think that, you know, the Titans will sort of put the ball in Ryan Tannehill's hands a little bit more. Uh, they want to get the ball downfield to A.J. Brown. I do like Jonu Smith potentially as a sleeper starter. And so I think Derrick Henry obviously will get his touches. But the thing about him that certainly worries me is that he has never been a pass catcher. And I know that I've said earlier that just because a guy hasn't done something doesn't mean he can't. I don't see the Titans suddenly shifting gears and throwing Derrick Henry the ball a whole lot, especially when they've got a rookie in Darrington Evans that possibly, you know, when, when he is on the field during the season, can get some of those targets. So I just don't see that part of the game plan changing as we get through the year. On the other side, the Broncos have two guys in their backfield, and I guess three if you want to throw in Royce Freeman, uh, who could get some opportunity, but mostly it will probably be between Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. So if you are picking Broncos backs, who you got, MG or PL? I know that you're going to go with Philip Lindsay because we've talked offline and you kind of hyped him all offseason, but I'm actually going to go with Melvin Gordon. I do think that either of them are going to be fantastic, but the reason why I do say Melvin Gordon is because he's had nine plus touchdowns in four straight seasons. Tennessee allowed 13 rushing touchdowns in 2019, which is the most in the NFL. No, excuse me. It's tied for the eighth most in the NFL. So, you know, they went and they paid Melvin Gordon. They got Melvin Gordon, which means they're going to use him. But I still do think that there are huge opportunities for Philip Lindsay. Yeah, you would think that, you know, guys with the initials MG would stick together, but I am going to go with <laughs> Philip Lindsay uh, in this one. I mean, one, I just feel like early in draft season, I think we sort of discounted him that just because Melvin Gordon was there and got a contract that he was just going to push everybody to the background. But Philip Lindsay has thousand yard back to back seasons. He's still effective and, and I think he's still going to get on the field. And the talk has been that this might be more of a 50 50 split, more of a hot hand situation. One thing I think that both guys will do, but I think Lindsey especially, will be to catch the football out of the backfield with Cortland Sutton dealing with a shoulder injury, and we'll see whether or not he plays. Uh, I think you're going to see Drew Locke throw the ball to his running backs a little bit more because the Titans really struggled when it came to covering pass-catching running backs. So I, I think both guys are good options. I'm going to sort of throw my lot in with Phillip Lindsay uh, and feel like that, that he's going to have a pretty good game. So Monday night, you got to be excited though, right? The doubleheader, it's a pretty good way for us to close out this week one, huh, Kimmy? I'm excited. You know, if I thought I had a football hangover this morning, I'm going to have even a bigger one tomorrow. I'm excited. Football is finally back. And, you know, something I want to note is it made me so happy to see that our players did it in a safe way. Our coaches did it in a safe way. Football is back. We needed this energy. So just a reminder to mask up, be safe, socially distant when possible, uh, and get ready for what is going to be an incredibly exciting 2020 football season. I second that 100%. So there you go. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, if you try to succeed and fail, which one have you actually done? Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 